When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. There's been plenty of great outdoors this week, Redmond. You've been slaying the tuna. It's been one of those weeks that uh, gets better and better, to tell you the honest truth, Pat. Good news with the ticker. I'm feeling good. And then the fishing's even better. So it's uh, I can't fault what's going on at the moment as we lead into this summer Summer series of fishing, which is about to come in the next, well, I guess it's just, like I said, it's just going to get better and better every day. I'm, I'm so excited to see what happens. Before we get to that, a little bit of news around the country. Uh, when the Sanctuary uh, Boat, Sanctuary Cove Boat Show, rather, uh, hits our waters, uh, there's going to be an Aussie-made boat, Redmond, with 1,800 horsepower, powered by Mercury's yep. V12 outboards, that will be released for the first time. Uh, whenever we've seen, you know, maxi, and they're not even trailable, but maxi-sized outboard-powered boats, they've always been American-made. So this will be the first time that Australian um, boat consumers will get to street, see an Australian-produced uh, product. Uh, Boatsales.com.au have reported uh, that there's a few boat builders that are working on incorporating these 600-horsepower uh, Mercury units, 120 grand a pop, uh, but it's great to see some Australian-made uh, boating manufacturers, Redmond, uh, adapting to these maxi-sized outboards. Yeah, it is. It's going to be. Oh, I don't. I don't know where it's going to go. To tell the honest truth, it's uh, it's exciting, but there's a lot of power, Pat. Like 600 horsepower uh, in a single engine, and they're talking multiple engines on a boat, like. Where does the line get drawn? I know in America we see all this stuff. Like, it's out. You see, fifty every, foot center consoles. Yeah, just I'm just trying to put into perspective as I'm as I'm as I'm speaking about it. Like, literally, fifty foot center consoles with fourteen six hundred horsepower engines. Like, it's, it's crazy. And then to think it's going to happen, start to happen here in Australia. Now they've got their little rip that they've been running around in uh, Mercury the past. Uh, Oh, past few months now, they or probably a month, say they released that their 600 horsepower was going on on the on the little rib, and to watch that on social media on uh, Mercury Australia's social media, with the amount of power that 600 horsepower has, is something is something else. Like it's a that that engine is literally on league on its own. That's their 10.6 meter Gemini 1060 Wave Rider, and that thing hits 50 odd knots. So that's one <laughs> outboard, let alone 
three that we're going to be seeing at Sanctuary Cove. And it's it's great that we've actually got – we've obviously – we reported last week um, that the Melbourne Boat Show is obviously going to be postponed again. But it's great to see that Sanctuary Cove at this stage, Redmond, will go ahead, uh, albeit, um, you know, quite clearly with um, the COVID protocols that will be in place. Yeah, it is. And I'm, I'm very disappointed about this Melbourne Boat Show that I think it was something that the industry – not necessarily. I know stock and everything's in show. I, I felt. I don't know about you, but I felt as though it was something we sort of needed. I, I I really love the boat show. You and I both love going and attending it. But to see what it's going to happen in America unfold um, in the next couple of, I guess, months with uh, the boat show, Sanctuary Cove, and also the new release, the new models that are going to come out with not just Mercury, every single engine brand that's going to come out of there as well, that announces their big announcements. It's, it's something that I'm really looking forward to, and I'm hopefully the following year we can follow here in Melbourne because the Sydney Boat Show is fantastic. You and I, I've been to the Sydney. I'm, I think you've done one or two maybe at the Sydney as well, and that, that boat show is probably the only comparison, I guess, to America's boat show, Pat, maybe, and yep. it's still not even a quarter of what that is. Uh, Sydney's phenomenal, so hopefully, fingers crossed, so we can – I don't know. I, I want to see this 600 horsepower in person. Uh, I, I was actually meant to take uh, the Mercury boys out during the week, but it got caught up with other th- other few other things. I was actually going to steal your six uh, 750 North Bank, to be honest with you, to take him out, but a couple of things popped up. But uh, listening to Dave from Mercury speak about it, it's uh, it's it's really it's really really exciting. Uh, couple of weeks ago, so we this just uh, slightly skipped past the. Uh, the desk of our uh, Real Adventures reporters, which is you and I, um, Victor, the Victorian Recreational Boating Strategy Redmond for 2021. They've released uh, their reports and their almost their their vision for the next 10 years. It sounds a bit like sort of what Carlton and Essendon have been doing around how many grand finals and members that they're going to have over the next five to 10 years, how many grand finals they're going to win. But they're identifying the current challenges uh, that need to be addressed to make recreational boating and fishing better. So the industry, worth around $8 billion to the state's economy, they're looking on where the dollars are spent that we all spend on um, fees, licensing, et cetera, where that goes and how we can get better bang for buck, uh, particularly with the, the influx and the increase uh, in boating users recreationally around Victoria, given the the pressure that that puts on boat ramps. I've got a question for you coming off the back of that um, with, I guess, resources. You, you mentioned money and whatnot, but resources that goes onto the water. Now, during the week, uh, it's called I Watch Geelong Police Service Area. It's a, it's a social media page. But anyway, they announced during the week it's called Operation Barwon. In the region that I live in, mm-hmm. Operation is this, I guess, this area. Now, you've got – it's quite a large area of Port Phillip Bay that they're operating in. Now, this isn't the top end of Melbourne. Now, I've just got a question for you to see what you think of these numbers. So a bit of an early gaff from me. So this involves Ballerine Police, Water Police, and Victorian Fisheries Authority members. Over 200 persons were spoken to on Saturday a week ago with over 40 vessels being checked. A number of penalty notices were, notices were issued to persons using unregistered boat trailers. All right. Last Saturday, beautiful conditions, Pat. Mm-hmm. Really good conditions. Out of Queenslift boat ramp, the whole thing was full. Clifton Springs was full. St. Leonard's was full. 
There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of boats fishing on the Saturday. Do you think 40 boats checked is enough? They're making out this is an operation. I don't think – I think it's a piss-poor effort, to tell you the honest truth. But you can only – you can only – you can only check with the staff that you have. That's why I said to you with the resources, it comes back yeah, with what that, you just talked about. Correct. That's the biggest challenge. Yeah. The 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 report on on recreational boat license holders shows in Victoria there's four hundred and seventeen thousand. Mm. Uh, half as many of that again hold jet ski licenses. Um, there's ten thousand new licenses issued each year. So one in ten. At around six hundred and ninety odd thousand, uh, take part in recreational boating each year. So there's there's a lot of people. There's a lot but of people. 40, Forty boats being checked on a Saturday. What are they doing? Having them smoke over every fifteen minutes? Like no, there's, oh, there's there's not enough people, and it, it takes I time. More, I speak to more people than that in, in in a day on Saturday at the boat ramp. Like it's not it's not. I don't think. Like they're making out this is an operation, and this is going around for the whole bay. Vic Police announced that they're doing drug, major drug testing at significant marinas right around the bay and stuff, which is great. But 40 boats checked on a Saturday in this area, oh, like that, that's not an operation. Like they should crank this up leading into summer. Let's be honest, it's not do great. You, do you get frustrated because you see the reports on people that get uh, caught for illegally uh, exceeding their captures? So they lose their boat, and then you see them at the ramp a month later, and they're fishing uh, out of a different, a different you know, boat. You know I'm frustrated because you witnessed this with me as you're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm more frustrated because I know how many boats are on the water, and I know that I'm going to be put in a place one day where I'm going to have to help someone that doesn't have the right safety gear, and I don't want to be put in that place. I'll do it, and you will too, and so will, that, will anyone, but – People don't have safety. There's a lot of safety gear not out there. And, and the coppers, even if they don't find them, but make them go in, go get it, whatever they do. But 40 people check. I don't know. Anyway, had me a little early gaff. I, I think that uh, I think that safety is a bit more important on the water at the moment with the amount of vessels trying to get through the Portland Bay heads, Bowen River, out there crossing the bay for these snappering. These people are going out testing their boats these days. Like You've got to think these boats – are doing some serious Ks on the water in the past two years with COVID. The amount of people that are on the water is out of control. It's it's not out of control. It's great to see. I shouldn't say out of control, but there is a lot of people on the water and 40 boats getting checked. There'd be more than that that goes in in the first two hours at Queenscliff. So first at first 30 minutes at Queenscliff. So anyway, I think they, I think they see the the fact that Port Phillip Bay, oh, it's it's really protected. The only the only part of it that uh, is open to the sea is obviously the headland. It's yeah. super safe, but it's not necessarily the case once that wind that's, blows that's, in. That's where my argument's coming into it. Like, yeah. you get an yeah. east in there at St. Leonard's in the afternoon and people have launched at St. Leonard's, good luck to you trying to get your boat back on the on, on the on on your trailer there at the ramp with a 20-knot easterly. Like, especially this time of the year with those southeasterlies, they're dominant in the afternoon. We have a lot of as we get warmer and warmer, it, it's going to happen. And like people don't, I don't know. I just think that it's not the best effort. I'm happy to get checked if the coppers want to jump on my boat and go through my boat. Help themselves. Like I, I, I have the I have the right gear, and so should everyone. So it shouldn't be a hassle for the coppers to jump on. It should take no longer than ten minutes, and away you go. 
There's Southern Bluefin Tuna just outside of the Port Phillip Bay heads. In actual fact, they're inside at different <laughs> points, Redmond. You've caught some absolute crackers this week as we head yeah. into the Christmas period where people start to get access to their boats again. They're going on the summer breaks. It's a great time to go out and chase these fish, and they're plentiful at the moment, but they're um, – it's not like shooting fish in a barrel. There is tech, techniques and tips to how to maximise your captures. There is, and what we're going to do is we're going to save uh, we're going to save a fair bit of information on surface lures for the review. We're actually going to cover that in the review part today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk sort of about where they are, what to look for, and whatnot right now. So. I was, I was heading out of Queensleaf the other uh, the other day. I seen some uh, birds working, seen the tuna inside their heads. Had a bit of a cast to them, but they were moving quite quick while the tide was actually pumping. That was actually inside the heads in itself off Queenscliff. So I kept pushing out through the heads and just went outside the heads, uh, literally just outside, and then pushed up to Barwon Heads. I did a bit of scouting. There were fish everywhere, mm. literally fish everywhere. But this first lot of fish that have turned up, I'll tell you what, is, is cute allowed on this radio show? Because some of these fish are bloody cute. They're, they're literally, I'd love to put one in a fish tank, two kilo, <laughs> some of them are two kilo. They are phenomenal to see, but there are bigger fish amongst them. I've seen a few fish. I think our biggest was nine kilo, but I've seen a lot of fish around that, uh, probably three to six kilo, but there are bigger ones, 15 kilo models around them. I had a couple of mates get some bigger fish. Uh, you need to find the birds. They are a dead giveaway. But not only that, actually seeing fish with your eyes without the birds was a big key factor too. So these fish were exploding the surface without birds on them. And you could actually see the white water getting smashed on the bait fish with, well, sorry, with the bait fish getting smashed, the white water, and you could move over to them and trawl or cast to them. So let's talk about how close you can get before you, you spook these fish, because this is one of the the big challenges for those that don't fish a huge amount and they see this school busting up and then they, they put their hand on the gas and away that they go and then they pull up 20 metres before it and then all of a sudden, wooshka, gone. Well, these things are pretty much wooshka, gone. They're pricks of things. <laughs> they, they, as you're getting close to these fish, they're doing exactly what you just said. So it's really important to get your boat in the right position. It was it was the key. Now, what I mean by that, getting we'll majority uh, majority of the time we were casting at these fish. So what we were doing, we we're actually getting the boat uh, upwind of them yep. and coming coming wind side and using the wind to cast to them with the distance that you needed. So staying off them as far as possible. But as I got close to these fish, uh, we'll talk on averages here. Majority of these boats that are going to target fish are going to be similar to mine. So they're going to have a cabin at the front, uh, you're not going to have a center, like not going to be a hell of a lot of center consoles out there or casting platforms. There, there will be people out there with these boats. So if you have these ideal situation, you can motor to them, have someone at the front casting. But with our boats, you've got to swing them on the side and actually drift towards them. So have your engine actually facing towards the fish and get your drift side on. So you're blowing towards these fish and you're not going to push them down if you're casting. Now, I didn't get any fished on the trawl at all, but you will. I didn't persist with it. I had a crack at the start. I didn't get them on the trawl. So I just went straight to casting because I thought that was going to be the best way to get numbers, which it was correct in, in, in the end. So with the trawling, you may struggle getting close to them, but I would be staying away from them as much as you can, running your lures out a bit further 
than what you actually should on a normal day and swinging your boat, I guess, on angles to drag those lures through the feeding fish if you can get close enough. Now, you've got to remember, this is early season. It, there, yep. There's a lot of fish there, small fish. There will be different size schools that come through. There will be kingfish mixed in with these fish. I know a couple of guys have got some kingfish mixed in with these tuna. So they will also take your skirted lures as well as your casting, your casting, which, like I said, we're going to go through all the techniques a bit later on in the show in Red's Review. But there is so many different patches of fish out there. Don't If you see someone working a patch, you don't necessarily have to get on that patch. Let's move to the next one, and it's going to be definitely user-friendly. You're going to start to get more fish that way. As we head deeper into summer, we're starting to see some really good captures uh, of sharks right around the coastline. Now, if you're listening out of Queensland, you're, you obviously have absolutely no interest in catching sharks or those in Western Australia. But for those south of Australia, it's somewhat of a delicacy, particularly gummy sharks, but certainly bronze whalers in southern waters have a beautiful flavour to them. As that water warms up, Redmond, um, we've seen Gwaine, um catch some some cracking fish who, who does our uh, Real Adventures reports through Western Port, and he's obviously a salt guide um, pro angler. Um, now's a really good time to start chasing and searching for these sharks if it's if you're interested in uh in something a little bit different out on the water you are spot on it's you you couldn't have said it any better it's it's exciting they're big they eat well and they're just fun they're just fun they can release them if you want they release really well as well if you don't want to eat it so they are a big shark. They can be hard to handle, as you and I have found out in the past. I think you and I cleaned a 140-kilo one in the back of my old silver jet, the old silver ute. There's many places you can clean a 140-kilo shark. But they're, they're a great fit. They're, they pull, like I said, they pull hard, but you need to do things right. Now, Gwaine has plenty of videos on the Salt Guide website if you want to see how he does it, how he approaches it. He uses different styles of baits. He uses things like eagle ray. He uses rays because that's what these bronzies feed on. They feed up in the shallow banks. They love the warm weather. So the warm weather is what they thrive on. And things, places like, for example, in, in Port Phillip Bay, you've got Mud Island. You've got all those banks out of, uh, out wide of St. Leonard's where these fish will sun themselves, feed, and then they'll feed at some point. In Western Port, you've got a, a, a little bit different side of things. Obviously, Gwaine's an expert in that bay. He's fishing that Coronella, Lysarts, as well as Lysarts fishing well. Once again, fishing that warm weather where these sharks are going to feed on these rays and, and, and I guess, banjos. You, you'll be surprised what they eat. And Gwaine is an expert on these things, so follow what he says and you will seriously catch yourself a big shark. Huge show of Real Adventures coming your way this morning. We're going to talk about chasing tuna on the top water. Uh, after the break, though, we'll take a look around the country and see what's biting in your neck of the woods. This is Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time to take a look at what's biting around the country and our New South Wales fishing wrap. It's a New South Wales maritime. Look after your life jacket and it will look after you. Don't risk your life. One of the, well, there's great fishing right around the country, Redmond, but New South Wales at the moment is fishing exceptionally well. It is, Pat, and uh, something that I guess land-based fishers love as well as boats is the brim. It's brim. They pull hard, 
They do what they do. Using cranker, cat, cranker crabs this week really well, as well as small plastic grub style. And fishing up the Parramatta, Parramatta River was exactly where you wanted to be this week. Seriously good fishing. Fish up to that 45 centimetres. So that there is exactly where you want to be for you. Brim, if we head to Port Stephens, which is just a sensational fishery, we're not far off seeing the marlin really firing up through there. Kings have rocked up in good numbers. A lot of fish caught around that 10 to 12 kilo, but there are bigger fish there. A lot of Live baiting for those, Redmond? If possible, if you can get slimy mackerel or you can get some arrow squid, live baiting is by far the go-to. Jigs will work and whatnot, but you you know you know me, live bait, you can't beat live baiting. That's when you're going to get your bigger fish. But there's a lot of fish getting lost. So a lot of bigger fish getting lost. So up your leaders. So if you're running that 60 and 80 and you're getting dusted, go to that 80 to 100, get up a bit more and up your gear a little bit. So you're thinking 8,000 plus or? It is a a fine line on how sometimes people like to go the other way and actually go lighter and let the fish run further and chase them with the boat rather than, than digging their heads into the reef. For me, it's definitely what you just said then, getting up even higher, getting up to that sort of 10,000 stellar or something like that. You're going to stop the fish even bigger if you really if they're bigger fish because we know at Port Stephens you can get 20 kilo fish and there is they're a big big kingfish and they're probably one of the strongest fish in pound to pound. So up your gear and you'll be able to get yourself some good fish. Obviously, there's that balance between letting them run and letting them back into the reef and then yeah, then yeah. you will be dusted. So that balance of how deep you're fishing and you do, you really do need to know how much line that you've got out and how much uh, room that and- they've got to hit the reef. And a good, really good method there with what you just said about your line. This is a this is great because when you're setting baits for live bait, if you can get coloured braid, coloured braid is a dynamite. It allows you to set your baits to the depths that you want. Now, because quite often it's coloured in sort of five meter yeah, increments, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Especially when getting to so that usually, like for example, your whiting gear or your brim gear will be one meter intervals. Where when you get into bigger fish species. I guess you're 30 plus pound, it moves into 10 or even 20 pound, it moves into 10 meters. So 10 meters is good because if you're fishing, say 18 meters of water, you don't want your slimy mackerel down on the bottom there. You want it up off it so you can set it at 12. You know exactly where your baits are going to be. So colored braid is fantastic right around the country. It doesn't matter where you are for basically any species of fish if you want to set, uh, I guess, where your baits are. Speaking of kingfish, two-pack, Kuji fish really, really well. Not as big fish as Port Stevens. But perfect, perfect oversized fish. Yep. Micro jigging, slow pitch worked well. But for me, I love the I, I like vertical jigs. I like them working a bit. I know there's some seriously good reports of it. But for me, I'd be getting a bit faster jig, really trying to fire those fish up. I like to call it the Ninja Turtle look. Get them nice and green. Get that nice band across their eye where they're fired up and they're buzzing. That's when you're going to have multiple fish, getting them looking like a Ninja Turtle. If you have the uh, patience to also hold one of those fish by the boat, the chances of multiple hookups will increase dramatically, won't they? So that colour if that if I just mentioned is the key yeah. to actually keeping an eye on tethering your fish, leaving it in the water. That colour, like I said, you might think I'm sounding like an idiot here talking about ninja turtles, but I promise <laughs> you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you when you first get that fish, it's fired up, and then if you can tether that fish while someone else hooks up. You can even leave it in the water, a rod in the water, and hopefully it stays there. But once it gets tired, it will start to lose its color. So I actually like to do a different method. I like to have it, say, for example, if you and I are fishing, Pat, you'll hook up, and then hopefully I hook up, 
and then you get your fish in. While I'm getting my fish, you get your fish, and it sort of bounces back to each other. It's an it's a very non it's a non selfish way to fish, but an extremely productive way to fish. You'll catch more fish. I'm just going to mention um, the dolphin fish as well, just off the fads. The fads are starting to work. We're starting to get that current with that warmer water starting to push down. There are a few fish caught during the week off Sydney, uh, caught during the week off Sydney, I should say. Uh, beautiful, beautiful big bulls too, so big dolphin fish, and we're going to start to see, uh, I guess, more frequent captures of that in the coming weeks. So that'll get better and better. Different techniques there, live baiting, plastics. Just let's just see what happens as this temperature unfolds. And last one, Pat, the luderick of the Sydney rocks were terrific during the week. Float fishing, getting them nice and close to the rocks, and you're going to get yourself plenty of luderick. That was the New South Wales fishing wrap for New South Wales Maritime. Make sure your life jacket is in good working order. It can only save your life if you're wearing it. Time for the social club at Redmond. Uh, Tim's our first cat off the ranks. Uh, I've found spotting for calamari very tough, boys. Is there a better way I can find them than just looking in the water? Yeah. Uh, number First thing I'm going to say is sunglasses. Uh, let's go to the spotting, back to the spotting side of it. Uh, I actually um, ordered you, bought your pair of tonics not long, too long ago, and uh, just the difference, Pat, in it, isn't it? Just in the quality sunglasses to see these eggs and to see calamari. How much of a difference does it honestly make? Uh, yeah, it, it does make a huge difference, though. But I, I suppose if you if you're looking past, for one of a better term actually spotting the calamari yeah. is yeah. there a way to 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 pick the water that doesn't involve you peering over the side of the boat it, it you know clearly if you look yeah. at the reports of where they're fishing uh, you're looking for those weed beds that's your starting point redmond but if you really want solid captures then you, you sort of do need to put in the work and actually find where they are uh, breeding and and dropping their eggs yeah, you're spot on, and and what you just said with your with your weed, it's definitely the key. Uh, uh, any any, especially in the southern part of Australia, any sort of weed bed is going to hold calamari. It just does, and you might not get them on the first or second patch, but on the third patch is when you will hit them. And quite often, when there's one squid, there's more. Best yeah. thing to do is when you get one, have your mate cast behind you because you're probably going to get another one. And similar to kingfish, when you get one, keep one in the water, get the next one, and so on more productive you're going to catch more fish but also a big factor as well get your drifts right understand your winds and your tides that you're going to have because if you do get them on one spot mark it on your gps and try and do that drift again and quite often you'll keep picking off the squid in that same spot but keep looking at your gps and understand that when tides slow or winds change or whatever happens your, your drifting met pattern will slowly change but you need to be onto it so make sure when you get on the boat you have your track set so have your tracks on so you can consistently see exactly where you need to be in that area to catch yourself some squid. Phil, escaping crowds over the summer when chasing tuna, guys. What grounds am I looking for? Uh, I get nervous driving around so many boats and so many people uh, trawling uh, lures in a in a small, uh, what does that say? Small patch of water, Redmond. Small patch of water. Uh, yeah, there's... There's plenty of water out there. That's that's simple. There's plenty of there. Honestly, is so you don't yeah. need to with the boats. You, if the reports are in the areas, by all means, I would be going there first. 
Yeah. It's something you and I have done this year. We landed, I'm not sure if you heard, we might have said it once or twice. Pat landed a 135 kilo tuna. And what Sorry, did we what do? What was that? We've got a small tuna a few months back. <laughs> what, what, but in all honesty, what did we do? What did, you, what did we do? Well, we got sick of the crowds. So we, 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 we were the first on the fish. And then all of a sudden, we were surrounded by six boats. And then uh, both of us sort of detest having people driving around. Um, you're not always that patient with people that uh, tend to cut you off. So we got out of there pretty quickly. And it, it, it took a bit of guts because we left a, a, an area where there was fish everywhere. We knew they were there. And then we, we drove for probably half an hour without seeing a thing. And yeah, then we saw a bird. Then we saw a seal. Then we saw a whale. And then the life exploded. So it does take um, a bit of a calculated risk to – all right, let's, yeah. let's pack up stumps here and, and give it a crack. But you don't know unless you go. I'm all for everything you just said. I, I will always take that risk. The thing is, Pat, you can always go back. That's the yep. thing. You can always go back. I always spend that little bit of time looking. Uh, the next question is from Betho. It is asking you, Dangerfield, is it too hot for trout now? It's not too hot, but you'd certainly want to fish them in the morning. I, I fished a couple of weeks ago only a week and a half ago, uh, in the afternoon just because I had a few hours without the, the grommets around and it was a waste of time. So if you do want to go trout fishing, unless you're fishing those sort of cooler areas, e.g. your rot waves, uh, then you're sort of wasting your time in the afternoons, even though you, you, you'll get the, um, the, the, the insect hatches at different stages that water does warm up and they're, they're generally sitting deeper. So that's the experience that I've found anyway. So I, I'd, Sunset? Sunset? Yeah, later in the afternoon, absolutely. Absolutely. As that sun goes down, for sure. Uh, but in the in the mid-afternoon, like I fished it, I think, at 2 o'clock. You couldn't have yeah. picked a worse time, but that was just when I had time to go and fish. So I'd definitely be be aiming for for early morning, late afternoon, there are your times to, to go and catch the fish. Uh, that wraps our social club. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you shoot it into our Real Adventures socials. Uh, send us a direct message on Facebook or Instagram and we'll do our best to answer all your questions. This is Real Adventures. Gearing up for Dometic. Everything you need for adventures, big or small. Mobile living made easy. Dometic. It's time for gearing up for the Dometic Patrol, an icebox with a sense of adventure. Uh, a couple of days ago, I caught up with Jim Credlin to talk about inland Victoria and where he's fishing well this school holidays. Here's the chat. Jim Credlin joins me from JC's Bait and Tackle in Swan Hill. Good morning, Jim. How are you, mate? I'm going well. Now, we're heading into the Christmas period. School holidays are upon us. Where are the best places to, to wet a line and for those looking to get kids into fishing this Christmas, uh, the area's fishing really quite well. Look, mate, since the, uh, the start of the cod season, I said last year that I thought that was a, the, one of the best starts we've seen, but so far this year, this, um, this has been probably the best in, in a long time in pretty well all the rivers. Uh, the Edward is probably the only river that hasn't sort of fired really up so far, but the Walker River at Kylite's producing um, some nice, good-sized cod, a uh, metre plus, then down here, sort of 60s and 70 centimetres, and then smaller ones. The Murray here at, itself in Swan Hill, um, fishing really well. You know, people are going out 
Um, a father and his daughter. He got a, his first meter, a meter oh one. Then he got an eighty five. Then his daughter got an eighty four uh, last Saturday. So, and they're getting heaps of small stuff. You now for kids to fish the the rivers, even even if they want to fish the lakes, there's plenty of fish there for them to catch. It doesn't matter, I suppose, with kids, whether it's a, uh, a cod or a yellow belly or a carp. Let's talk um, about the yellow bellies because there's been a lot of captures around sort of the thirties mark, but there's been some some in the 40s of well, as well that have been, um, you know, really welcome captures? They are. Look, the the last couple of seasons, the yellow belly have been averaging around about 45 to 55 centimetres. They're getting huge. You'd probably pretty well guarantee that most of the yellows you pick up are, are, are 40 to 50 centimetres in, in, uh, in length. We did hear of one that was caught in the local channel here. It was 67 uh, centimetres. Now, that's a big yellow valley. Absolutely. In, in, in anyone's terms. <laughs> what about, uh, um, let's talk about bait, Jim. What's been the, you know, the, the best performing bait, topwater lures? What have, you, what have you seen and what have you heard from around the traps? Look, um, all your baits, um, body grubs, yabbies, your, your scrub worms, and then you've got your what we call the supermarket supermarket baits. You know, you choose your chickens and stuff like that. So a lot of people are sort of stuck with, uh, well, they stick with chicken. Because personally, I think it's when you get shrimp around it, when you put a you know a yeah. greasy bit piece of chicken in the in the water, you get a ball of shrimp, and then the cod attack that. But um, lures, we haven't seen. A lot so far since the cod opening, the waters, the river's been pretty dirty. So most of the guys have been uh, been boat fishing. One guy did get up; he wanted to go um, try and get a, a, a cod last weekend. I sent him out to Cayley Lane. He was just using a um, an orgy lure, and uh, he picked up two small cod. I'm hearing a walk, the Walker River is starting to clear up as well, so you'll probably find it that the guys will um, will start you know, dragging lures around. And even with the surface lures, look, I'd I'd be throwing them around too this time of the year. People, you know, yeah, and you'll pick you'll pick up fish. I mean, it's it's probably the um, the school holidays. I, I, I would say that well, when we had the um, the break in uh, Melbourne Cup weekend, and when everyone got out of Melbourne and they all come up here, people were just uh, overwhelmed the amount and number of fish they caught. You know, some people were going out getting twenty, thirty uh, fish in a day and a half, two days. And what about in terms of you know, those new to fishing and, and looking to get into to cod fishing or yellow belly fishing, what sort of what sort of tackle setups are you recommending to them? You sort of that two and a half to three thousand range um, as you know, for the beginners? Yeah, look, you, you just want a, a probably a five to six uh, kilo weighted rod with a um anywhere between a two to four four thousand reel. Um, you can either use monofilament or, or braid on that. The rigs, you can either just have a running sinker or some people prefer to pattern oster. It just depends on how many, uh, you know, if you want to put on two hooks yep. and get a double chance of getting snagged. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, yeah. a, it's a great time to uh, to go fishing around the Murray, around Swan Hill uh, and plenty of the the inland waterways. I know, Jim, if, uh, if people are having trouble deciding on what to buy for Christmas, uh, the shop's got gift vouchers available uh, that have no expiry date, so you can never get in trouble for those. So Jim, exactly. Cred- Jim Credlin from JC's Bait and Tackle in Swan Hill. It's your first stop when you're chasing uh, any inland species around Swan Hill. Go in and say good day to Jim, and he'll point you in the right direction. Jim, thanks for joining us this morning. No worries, mate. That was gearing up for Dometic Patrol, an icebox with a sense of adventure, the great Jim Credlin 
from JC's bait and tackle. He does a wonderful job, Jim. Uh, Redman, it's time for your review for Club Marine. Red's review for Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. It is, and we spoke off the start of the show about these tuna that are showing up, and not just at the front of my place, at the head, right around the bottom end of the state. We're going to see Malacuta have some. We're going to see South Australia starting to fire up with some beautiful fish. I know Ned McHenry from um, the Adelaide Crows, Pat, uh, North Bank Ambassador, He's been some crackers, yep. yeah. Some tuna, so it's 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 really starting to shape up now. What we're going to talk about is something you love doing because you're a child with a rod is casting casting at these bluefin tuna. Uh, it's probably the most common question that I'm getting is what am I using? What techniques am I using? What pound leader am I using? It, it, it's it's just constant, which is fine because it's fine. It's a good question, but it's a very broad question. There's so, never a direct answer, is there? You, exactly, you've got to be exactly. changing those techniques around retrieval Drop, speed. Dropping leaders. Like it's not a bungee cast that's working every single time. You've got to be no. willing to, for different people on the boat, to be fishing with different lures. Yep. So you, you give yourself your best chance. And poppers are a great method as well, Pats, and they're surface. And they, I, don't, I don't reckon the sight fishing there's any more better strike than on a popper from a bluefin. They literally explode the surface to get this popper. So a popper's a great uh, – depending oh, – Paul Worsling and I uh, did, a, did a show last year, and I can't remember the exact size of this popper that we used. It was a redhead, mouse brown like myself, and I reckon it was nearly bloody 30 centimetres long, not even joking. And these, it was only a 20-kilo fish exploded and hit this pop-up. We had multiple fish hit it. So have different sizes of poppers. Start with your smaller ones to your bigger ones. Your bungee casts, I think, are a must. Uh, there's so many different brands out there that have something similar to this. But the bungee cast, the Bass Day bungee cast, they're 100 mil long. They're 30 grams. The thing that I like about these is you can fire them as far as away from the boat as possible. They're so heavy and mm. they are so slick through the air. You can cast these things literally 60 metres if you get a good rod and reel to match with it. Now, I'm running a 6,000 Stella with, uh, I think it's 40-pound braid on a extractor casting stick bait rod. So it's a fair setup, but it's it works for you, not against you, the rod, and it's well worth investing in one if you're looking at getting into the stick bait side of things. Now, leader is a big one. What pound leader do I use? Blah, blah, blah. 40-pound is what I'm using majority of the time. If the fish are feeding like mad, I will up that leader because I don't want to lose thirty to seventy to eighty dollar lures by chance. Like yep. it's it, they got teeth, they're going to bite you off at times, and it's just going to happen. So especially like something small like a bungee cast where they can actually inhale the whole thing so easily that it could get caught in the back of the throat. And then all of a sudden you're messing with a teeth, especially if you hook a forty kilo fish out here. Fish, yeah. Now, so. Start with 40 and adjust from there. That's what I recommend. Now, hooks, I would be changing. Now, this comes to also yourself as a tuner ambassador, but not only that, I believe they work for you rather than against you. Get rid of the trebles. I believe yeah. the trebles work actually against you. They work against each other. It's like one hook pulling against the next. Doesn't do a lot for me. I actually prefer to have single. So the bungees, I'm running 2.0 uh, gamma um, uh, lure hooks. That's what I'm running on them. Make sure you get them the right way, and they will seriously catch you a lot of fish, and your hookup rate will be amazing. But not only that, 
bloody easy to get out of the fish too. Yeah, <laughs> so you have yeah. trebles and pricks of things to get out. Now, there, when there's you... nothing but benefits for changing those oh, to your singles. Yeah. yeah, and people say, oh, treble, it's kill, kill, kill. Oh, no. If you if you want to kill a fish, oh yeah, I, like I said, I don't think they I don't think they work any better than I don't I think they actually work against each other. So yep. I don't I'm I'm definitely a single hook guy, and for the release side, like I I don't eat a lot of bluefin. Uh, if I do, it's minimal, but I give a lot away. But I also release a hell of a lot more than I catch. So it's much more user friendly for yourself and for the fish when you are trying to release the fish. Man, you don't want to treble in your hook, in your foot, or in your leg. They you, you don't. You're in surgery getting it cut out. <laughs> So that's You're speaking one. from experience there, aren't you? I've had a couple of hooks. <laughs> Going back to uh, the casting side of it again, I said it earlier, let's get upwind. We want to be casting with the wind as much as possible. Position your boat in the right spots and cast, and you're going to catch a lot more fish. But Because you've got your, your depth off the cast will increase 5 to 10 oh, metres like, straight away. Especially, yeah. Even like a 5 to 10 knot breeze. The amount of wind resistance that actually is on a on a lure or a popper, it, it's incredible, and especially a soft plastic. Now that's the next one I was going to throw in there too. Not so much surface, but productive casting. Yeah. Once again, going to catch a fish. I'm running seven inch white atomic plazos, and they have caught me so many fish with a one ounce jig head. So they're going to work really, really well too. I think they're with a seven o hook on the back of them. I'm pretty sure. So. That pre- pre- pressure on the fish is critical at any stage of fishing, but especially critical when you're fishing with a soft plastic with oh. that with that single hook. Yeah, they pull the other way if you let it in. Yeah. 100%. Same. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So that there's a little review on sort of the, what you're going to need to go get them. It's give a few techniques in there. Now, I just want to say one more thing is when you're using these surface poppers or lures, I can't give you the exact method for every lure out there. It's too hard to do. I can't do it. Work out. Speak to people that are using that lure and work out what's best. For me, a bungee is a method of actually using your wrist, flicking down at the same time as winding quite quick, and it sort of pulls the lure as well as winding. So work out what you're using, whether it's a popper or if it's a stick bait or a big stick bait. Work out its best way it's going to work across the surface, and you're going to catch plenty more fish. I hope that helps when you get out on the water on these tuna soon. That's Red's review for Club Marine. That was Red's review for Club Marine. Insure your boat or jet ski with Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Check the PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for Red's Tip. Redmond, what do you have for us? Well, not really much time for Red's Tip, but it's a good one, Pat. These tuna are going to get everyone going crazy right around the whole country, wherever you are, chasing bluefin, any tuna species, anything on the surface, Spanish mackerel, sailfish. It is really important when you are heading out is your eyes. Your eyes are better than any equipment that you've got because your eyes will find the best best indication of fish in the world, and that's bluefin tuna. Sorry, I just lied to you. It's birds that are sitting on top of the bluefin tuna. Birds are what you want to find. Birds, birds, birds. So when you're heading out, and you're punching out through the Port Phillip Bay heads and you're heading to Barwon heads, don't put GPS, bang, go and sit on the seat and start driving out there. You're going to do yourselves a mischief. Stand up, have your head out your clears, have your windscreen wipers going on your hardtop, whatever it is. Make sure your eyes are peeled the whole time because you need to look for these birds. You could literally miss the whole school of fish that you could have had by yourself when everyone's passing you to get somewhere. Make sure you're looking, have your sunnies on, and seriously find your own patch of fish, and the birds are your dead giveaway. 
do not sit on that seat. It's the ban rule. If you're in the passenger seat on my boat, you're looking with me. That's Red's tip this week, Pat. It's now time for the flying gaff. That's a good tip, Evan. Uh, the flying gaff this week. It's a uh, it's a wonderful doco uh, on HBO, or I, I watched it on Foxtel during the week. But the hundred foot wave tells the story of uh, Nazaire, uh, which is a surf uh, location in Portugal. It's the world's biggest wave. Uh, we've seen over the past week the WSL have had. Um, their toe surfing challenge there. It's the most incredible wave that you will ever see. You can see a gigantic lighthouse in the foreground or a very small lighthouse in the foreground, uh, and it is well worth uh, your watch. It's six episodes, and the the mental strength that these guys have to combat the physical uh, with surfing these waves is quite incredible. So the Flying Gaff is do yourself a favour and check out the 100-foot wave on Foxtel. This has been Real Adventures. Thanks for your company. We'll see you next week. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.